You're listening to Chaos on the Side, a chaotic TV and film review podcast, and today we are covering the next installment in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, as we always do, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. We have two of your usual Marvel hosts with you today. I'm Shruti. I'm Kate, and try to guess who the guest is. <laughs> Take a wild <laughs> shot who would be joining us to discuss the next Marvel movie. Uh, and while you're guessing, Leah, why don't you introduce yourself? <laughs> Hello, I'm Leah. I I reached out to you this time. Yes, it was honestly, I like I got that text and it filled me with so much joy that I was like, oh my god, I'm not fucking Leah this time. She thought I of was me. like, we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's just get the ball rolling. So I got a text from Leah on Thursday night. I got to see the movie opening night, uh, mainly because my grandma's birthday was Friday night, and so I had to go on Thursday so I could spend my grandma's birthday with her. Uh, but I had an interesting time at the movies. I would say I was going into it a lot more pessimistic intentionally to kind of like save myself. But I also generally don't care much about the Guardians. Like I think that Kate and I were talking about this going into the movie like every year or sorry, going into recording this podcast. Every year feels like there's like an unspoken. This is the biggest Marvel movie of the year. Like in 2021, it was Spider-Man. In 2022, it was Wakanda Forever. 2023, this kind of feels like it from the general public. But personally, I'm most excited about the Marvels. Like, I don't generally care about the Guardians. So I wasn't that invested in this movie being good, nor did I care as much. But curious to know how y'all think both the quality of the movie was, both in terms of anticipation and how it delivered. Go for Uh, it, Leah. Okay. Um, Yeah, I am also not a huge Guardians person. I liked the first one as much as anybody else. And then the second one did not wow me. And a lot of people seem to like it better. But I don't know. I don't love all of the humor. Um, you know, the, the sick and beautiful twisted mind of James Gunn or whatever he's called <laughs> is not really my thing. So I, I agree. The Marvels is also my number one most anticipated of the year. And I, I did like this movie more than Guardians 2 and a little bit more than I expected. But once again, couldn't drag myself to see it a second time. <laughs> But not, like, because it was boring like Quantumania, because it is too sad. Didn't want to be sad. Yeah, the rewatchability of this movie is... Uh, I, my friend... Okay, I didn't. I don't agree with the first half of the statement. He said, it has the quality of Endgame, just not the rewatchability of Endgame. And I was like, it does not have the quality no. of Endgame. But he really... Li- I don't want to yuck people's yum, but I feel like people are obsessed with this movie. Is it? Yes, is it just because the bar was on the floor and James Gunn I think so. just went over the bar a little bit? I I do agree. I think coming out of Ant Man Quantumania, I think we, all of us went into this movie being a little scared, and I think just because it was, I would say like a solid installment in like the greater MCU, like it's not my most favorite by any means, but it's not bad, right? It's not like Quantumania where we were like literally leaving the theater going, what the fuck did we just watch? This was like actually like decent. And I think because people have this Marvel fatigue, which everyone's talking about online, to have like what was a pretty good movie come out now, everyone's on Twitter going, best MCU movie (laughs) of all time. And I'm like, and you, I'm not even kidding. That is not paraphrasing. The amount of times I have seen people say, this is the greatest MCU movie of all time. And I'm like, wait, wait, really? You think that? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm just negative. But I, 
Like, it was, it was fine. That's what I'll say. It was fine. When we there walked were, into the movie, Shreya said, like, oh, it had the elements of a movie and it followed that and had, like, a cohesive plot, which is more than she can say for other Marvel movies. <laughs> sure. I think there's also, like, so much pressure for them to be the next Endgame, be the next No Way Home, that it's, like, either the best ever or it's garbage. Like, there's no yeah, room yeah. for in-between anymore, which was kind of the argument I wanted to make about quantum mania and then I just like gave up. <laughs> I stopped caring about yeah. that movie. Um wait, can we talk really quickly about the context and the reshuffling of, you know, post-covid Marvel movies because I remember oh, sure. hearing that this movie was supposed to come out right after Endgame or like closely after Endgame. Leah, do you know the details on that? I I yeah. I don't. I'm more I know more about the TV aspects of that, oh, but gotcha. that makes a lot of sense. I, I mean, there's one big factor. James Gunn got yeah. kicked from Marvel for yeah. a few years. So I imagine after Guardians 2 came out, I imagine he was writing Guardians 3 right after Guardians 2. And the fact that it took what has been six years now, that's a long time for a next Guardians installment. But that's the thing is I don't even I don't even think of these movies anymore. as like, when when is the time the last one came out? It was 2017 Guardians Volume 2. Because even, it's, and it's not even, like, I'm not even giving it to Marvel because they have so many other installments coming up. But, like, if you look at Barry, like, Barry has been coming out for so long. And <laughs> I'm never like, oh, my God. It's like, when Barry Season 3 came out, people were talking about how, like, oh, the last time Barry was on air, Game of Thrones was still on television, which was so weird to think about. But I feel like that's just the norm now that there will be, like, four or five years of time that you just have to wait before your next installment. And it doesn't phase me as much i don't know if it's something that bothers y'all but it kind of just we've also seen those characters in three other movies which is more often yeah which is like more than most you know like thor wasn't thor's not in i guess he's still in avengers movies but like they've been around but they weren't for a while like they they weren't showing up in anything but avengers it's not like you know, Black Widow being in a Captain America movie and then an Iron Man movie and all of that. So we also question, because in Thor uh, Love and Thunder, right, it's like the Asgardians of the Galaxy, whatever, they're not in the Nowhere Celestial Head then, right? They're just using their regular ship. No, yeah. So them being in that Celestial Head starts in, which I have not watched, by the way, but starts in the holiday (laughs) special, which came out in December. And... I was reading about this because I couldn't be bothered to watch the holiday special. It's fine. Um, but they mentioned, yeah, I know they, like, capture Kevin Bacon in it and everything. But um, they just mentioned that after everyone's been re-snapped after Thanos, they kind of use the Celestial Head as a refugee place for, like, displaced people, Got I it. guess. And they're all living there. And that started in the holiday special. Like, that was the first time we see that place. So, if I was sitting in that theater, literally, like, wait, where are we? Where is this place? (laughs) But I didn't think it was actually that confusing. Because I was also told via podcast after I finished the movie that there are characters introduced in the holiday special that are in this movie Oh, really? Is it Cosmo? Like, Leah's Cosmo. Cosmo. Oh, the dog. Okay. The dog. I think we've... Cosmo was bent... Was been in, oh boy. Uh, Cosmo was in, like, a post-credit. So, like, the idea of the space dog, I think, on Nowhere, right? Because I think she was with the Collector. But her talking and 
all of that was in the holiday special. Holly special, great if you like uh, Mantis. She's very good in it. Oh, so not for me. <laughs> well, I didn't like I didn't like her character at all. The holiday special made me like her. So okay, that okay. helped. No shade. No I shade. I still don't Bob. like Drax though. That's that's the issue. Like I I don't like Drax's humor at all. I okay. That's a great question. I never found Drax funny until no. this movie. Okay. I don't know if it was because I, I was still watching don't it. Think I still don't think he's funny. I've never thought he was funny, and I didn't think he was funny in this movie either. <laughs> I thought he the was simile so metaphor in Guardians thing, too. You didn't think that? Oh, did that you was kind of funny. Metaphor. I was just gonna say I watched this with my twin sister. I did not watch Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One with her, and I uh, didn't watch Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two at all. So. Oh. <laughs> Uh, but Shreya laughs at everything. So watching, or not everything, but it's like really fun to watch things with Shreya because she laughs a lot. And so I don't know if I was just laughing more because my twin was having a good time and I like laughing with her. Anyway, Kate, you go. This is my unpopular opinion. And I know probably a lot of people won't agree with this, but I just don't think that James Gunn writes funny dialogue. And I think he tries really hard to. And I think he tries to make all the characters a little awkward and like they try, you know, like it's just awkward humor. Mm-hmm. And for me, it just doesn't hit exactly like it's supposed to, probably. I I don't know. I just, I don't think Drax is funny. Like, I just don't think he's funny where he's like, I'm, I like to destroy things, but I'm also a dad. Like, that <laughs> whole thing. Um, I just don't think they're funny. I don't even think, so. I don't think Peter is funny. I'm just like, Peter is just... Well- I think their bickering is not funny at all, and it's actually kind of annoying. And I yes. wonder if it's, like, I don't know if I want to go here, but it's just, like, these, like, white guys that, like, have inferiority complexes that are just fighting with each other, and, like, maybe white men will find it funny, but we don't enjoy watching that because we're, like, sick of watching it in real life. It's so many dick and poop jokes. Like, it's really so many, and it's just oh, not yes. for me. And here's the thing. Uh, even though... We have spent multiple movies with these characters, and we are convinced that they are supposed to be, like, this found family. I don't really get that that much. Yes. Like, I don't really feel like these people are super bonded. Like, when Peter is screaming, going, like, I need to save my best friend, my best friend, I'm just like, are you guys really best friends? (laughs) Like, I don't know. And I've watched so many other Marvel installments where – I think they just do a better job of just emotionally attaching characters together. So then their dialogue yeah. is not trying to be forcefully funny. The, the the humor stems from the fact that these characters are so close to each other. I don't know if that makes sense. Like Iron Man with like Captain America and like the original Avengers. I thought they did a great job being like, and they weren't even supposed to be deemed as close friends as the Guardians are, right? But those characters, I feel like we established those bonds we established our connections, and so the humor just happened naturally. Mm-hmm. And I was just telling Shruti before we started recording, for some godforsaken reason, I just started watching Miss Marvel. I don't know why. Like, literally 30 minutes ago, I was watching it. First episode. And I'm finding more humor in the first 30 minutes of Miss Marvel than I do in all of the Guardians movies. Because Miss Marvel is amazing and everyone should watch yeah. it. <laughs> well, I think it just stems from, like, they establish her relationship with, like, Bruno and, like, her parents and her brother, like, very quickly. And it feels very authentic. And I don't feel that authenticity. Is that the right word? I don't know. Authenticity. That's a long word. I can't say it. Authenticity. There you go. Oh, thanks. I don't feel it in Guardians. That's just me. 
Yeah, so many people, like, so many podcasts I've been listening to are like, I'm so sad to see my Guardians go, like, this team has been everything, and I'm like, that, I'm so happy for you if you feel that way, I wish I felt that kind of connection to these characters, I don't care about them, even when, so like, for those of you who don't know, I watched all of the Marvel movies before Endgame on an accelerated pace, hence having me not seen volume two, <laughs> um, and so when I, I watched Iron Man through in Endgame over the course of a year. And so after that, I was listening to all these podcasts, like, you know, talking about their top Marvel movies, blah, blah, blah. And whenever people put Guardians in their top five, I was like, really? Like, I didn't get it. But I guess, I think maybe if you watched it at the time and it was like, oh, look at this fun, new, weird, wacky thing, people liked it. But as a movie that I watched, binge watched in a pack of 12 other, 14 other movies, I was like, okay. I'm done with that. Moving on to the next one kind of thing. I mean, that was like, what was that? Phase two. That was an exciting time. Yeah. Because everything felt, every movie felt so different. And then I think Guardians was like a completely different world. And it had a fun soundtrack. And oh my God. The, can we talk about the soundtrack really quick? I would love the to. Needle Drops. We love Needle I, Drop. My issue the, they're not bad. I'm not saying that they're not good Needle Drops. They're objectively good they're fun they're good songs yeah it just felt so look at what we're doing here when we like had quill press the blue button to pause the thing or when like no sleep till brooklyn stops and then starts again it really felt like look at us showing you these needle drops and i was like i don't am i being too cynical here am i being too annoying that i'm like i i was a little annoyed that no Sleep Till Brooklyn had to play during that, which I thought was a very beautifully shot, like, hallway fight scene. Because I don't know what it is, but I feel like Marvel is just, like, over-abusing the Beastie Boys right now. I'm I'm happy All with Beastie Boys. Like, okay, get your, get your royalty check. Everyone is. Everyone is. Beastie Boys were in, were in Mario. <laughs> yeah. Two weeks ago. And No Sleep Till Brooklyn was literally also in Spider-Man No Way Home. Exactly, yeah. Just, like... Yeah, that bugged me like, so much. I don't know. I don't get why they're using like the same songs. Like, what? Like, I don't. I don't get. I don't get. Period. Why they use the same song in two different movies that are only like less than two years apart? Good for the Beastie Boys. I'm like, get your royalty checks, whatever. I don't care. But I, I'm like, Marvel, why are you using these? Like, why are you using these already overused? songs you know it makes it feel less impactful to me i I don't know i do like it in the marvel's trailer though because the first line is don't tell me to smile and that was a big thing with the first um captain marvel trailer so i like that Mm -hmm. that makes me (laughs) teehee-hee and then just at the end of the movie when rocket is like going through the ipod and it's like i it was an oh, it worked for me as an anchor in the first Guardians movie. It's like oh, Quill listens to all these songs because he, he got abducted man. at eight, and like these are the songs his mom showed us. Whatever. Then to like overdo it in this movie, so he's like Rocket is like switching songs to the point where when Come and Get Your Love plays, and I was like oh, this would have actually made me like oh sweet th- throwback to the first movie if they hadn't been so heavy handed with all of the other needle drops to the point where now I'm like you want me to give you a cookie for this, and at this point I'm sick of it. And I'm keeping the cookie for myself. Well, exactly. I thought it was cute, like you said, his Walkman in the first movie actually served, like, kind of a, like, it was a plot thing, mm-hmm. too, and, like, an, and a character thing, and I liked it. And then for them to just be like, here, now you have this 
essentially what what is it like an iPod it's a Zune and a Zune and oh look and I don't remember where they got it more more but songs on bad. it now more decades they got it from didn't um oh oh the blue guy Yandu <laughs> Yandu I always forget his name Yandu gave it to um okay I don't know people's names in this movie Yandu I think gave it to them maybe it was Yondu's am I making that up I, I like believe I believe you it was probably in in volume two right well it would have to be all right so I actually think that um yeah Yondu gave that Zune mp3 player to Peter at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy volume two which is the you know mp3 player we see in the third volume and I actually found an article and it's talking about a Facebook live Q&A that James Gunn did in 2017 right after volume two dropped and he said, spoiler, 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 and then yes, he actually did say spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. The song choices in volume three will be Yondu communicating with Peter. So he essentially said Yondu giving the Zune MP3 player to Peter is gonna was supposed to serve the same purpose as Meredith giving her Walkman to Peter, which is he's supposed to be communicating with him in volume three, even though he's dead. Those songs are like Yondu songs? Which, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like James Gunn completely <laughs> forgot that he said that. I think he forgot. He forgot. <laughs> like, there's no, there's no way that, that that creep by Radiohead is Yondu being like, yeah, Rocket Raccoon, you're a creep. Like, no. <laughs> so The dog days oh. are over. Also, here's my issue, is that if he is saying Yondu is now doing that to communicate with Peter, it's not doing something new it's just repeating the yes. same exact trope you used in the first yeah. movie like anyway and you know what it is secretly it was james gunn being like oh damn it there are some songs from the 90s and 2000s that i really want to put in volume three but how do i do that because i now put this plot device in where like all peter's songs are from when he was a kid ah uh, oh i know Yondu gives them an mp3 player <laughs> it's like so stupid um i feel like we've been a little neg on the movie so sorry, yes. sorry. no 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 it's fine i mean love 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 whatever i i'm just trying to be positive i keep getting the criticism that we're too negative on this podcast I mean, mainly for my sisters it, but it anyway it's like um <laughs> action good looks good still looks kind of goopy in places like the the story is mostly isolated it did a lot of good things, yes, which is which why I, I get to nitpick about why I don't like these characters. <laughs> yeah. And I think, uh, you know, there's the there's the common saying that's going on with everyone covering this movie. It's like every other Marvel movie is about saving the world. This Marvel movie is just about saving your friend. Which, which was nice. I like that. Smart decision. Yes. I f- like when you look at uh, the series, what's the animated series? What If? What when if, yeah. the literal the season finale of what if spoilers for what if is literally the entire multiverse is going to collapse in your Disney Plus show that is the stakes it's nice to just see like no we're just going to save our friend in this movie and um, oh can i just say mm-hmm. i think the strong point of the movie at least when i was enjoying the movie the most or i not maybe enjoying because it was very dark but when i was most gripped by the story was all of rocket's uh, memories him reliving his time from being experimented on to his little friend group in the cages that was very impactful and very moving um i did cry like a bitch like yeah. i did this is what i wanted to do is because my friend texted me after he got to the movie he said i cried at guardians and i said i cried at guardians too but i also cringed a lot and yeah, he said too. well i cried more than i cringed 
And I think I cringed more than I cried. So I would love to, on this podcast, <laughs> go over the cry moments versus the cringe moments and see who comes out on top. Okay. I only wrote down my cringe moments, though. So I'm going to okay, rely I can, on I can, I can give you my cry moments because I cried I'll, I'll give you times. my number one cry moment is when Nebula found out that Rocket is still alive. Like, she hears Rocket's voice when she's mm. on the ship. And she starts breaking down. That's when I was like, because because you really see their history together. You know, they're the only two people that survived the snap and they've spent five years together. And you can see the way of those emotions coming down on her. So props to you. There's one cry moment. Uh, Let me put let me start. Oh, yeah. By the way, Nebula, my favorite character in the Guardians. Hands down. Yeah. I would say that. Nebula and Gamora are my favorite. I can tell you, do you want to go cry, cringe, cry, cringe, or do you want to do all the cry? Well, I don't want to also speak all the way back to back. So I just gave a cry. If somebody else wants to give a cringe, that would Okay, be I'll give a cringe. Ready? Okay. And you know, you guys know what it's going to fucking be. <laughs> it kind of, wait, okay, I'm going to give you a cry and a cringe because this was like whiplash for me in the theater. I so can't it's wait. when Rocket is in the afterlife or in that in between, which by the way, beautiful set, the little afterlife that he's in because you can see the cages that they used to be in. I thought that was, like, really impactful. But that's kind of... The cages came to the afterlife? Like, if anything, the afterlife... I mean, it shows, like, that in-between space is kind of, like, his memories with his friends. You know? Anyway, he's not over that part of his life, I think. Anyway, uh, so he's in the afterlife. He's talking to Lila. She's like, we've been flying you know, around the world. I'm crying. I'm sobbing. There's, like, tears streaming down my face. I'm so devastated by what happened to these two characters. And then they make out. <laughs> Did they make out? <laughs> Would we call they, that making out? I don't... <laughs> they, like, kiss and then, like, nuzzle each other. And I remember I was sitting in the they're theater just, with my... They're, they're just nuzzling. Listen, I was sitting in the theater with my friend Nicole, who was also had tears streaming down her fucking face. And then they kiss. They have the otter and the raccoon kiss. And I hear Nicole next to me go, wait, what the fuck? And I look at her and I go, what the fuck? Are they are they kissing? Did they make the raccoon and the otter kiss? What is happening? And then suddenly he's just like pulled right out of the afterlife. So like they make out and then he's like, I'm not a raccoon. Then he leaves. And I'm sitting there going, you know what? They just turned my ultimate cry moment into an ultimate cringe. I was dying at that part. Wait, so I have to write Rocket and Lila kiss under cringe? Yes. Leah, do you did did you cringe? I mean, I was cringing at that part, but not because they were kissing. I was I was cringing at the, but your story's not over yet. You have that's, to go back. Okay, here's the direct quote. I literally I took out my phone. Sorry, my to roommate wants to get a tattoo it of it. I'm gonna have to move out. This is the line. The story has been yours all along. You just didn't know it. Oh my god! What every yeah, man yeah, wants to hear from a woman. Worse, they kiss. Okay, I'm just going to make it as one cringe moment as the afterlife sequence. Is that okay? Because I feel I did not cringe at them kissing. I thought it was fine, but... It was weird. <laughs> um, Leah, do you have a cry or a cringe? Yes. Uh, my cry, the, the worst I felt in that movie was when little Floor off screen was chanting right before she died. It was just like completely oh. obliviously chanting like we're running, we're running or whatever she said. I had to like try to disassociate because I was gonna lose it if I did. This is the problem with this movie, is it you can I would never want to watch this movie again. Like no. it was really tough to watch. I don't see kids going to see this movie at all. Mm-mm. Like not even just the animal cruelty, but like 
so many things are like they're like uh even it was uh, heavy yeah um, i mean that whole sequence like that that entire sequence of lila gets shot raccoon raccoon rocket starts tearing that guy's face off which, which i would violent, too which is very violent for pg-13 i think like yeah. you know and then and then his other friends get shot and it, it was just like extremely traumatic you know Peta did say this is the best movie for like um for like against animal cruelty that this like has come out like it's like Peta literally was like this is a like, marvel yes. movie is the best movie to come out against animal cruelty like literally they were, i think they said best of the year <laughs> okay okay um well uh okay we so far have three cry moments and only one cringe but don't you worry Ready? i you got, got your back you go for um it. Oh, if well, it's I mine, put, I'll be mad. <laughs> I I honestly put soundtrack usage on my cringe list, which I, I agree. Okay, I'm gonna put it down, but I'm not gonna I'm gonna give another one because I already talked about that one. Uh, number three. Oh, the Yondu moment was cringe for me when Yondu comes really? back as a vision to help it. James Gunn shoot an arrow. I th- I and I won't write it down if you liked it. Like I don't want to yuck other people's yum. But for me, when the movie was already trying to do so much and you really didn't spend that much time with no, sorry, not James Gunn, Sean Gunn. What's yeah. the character's name? What, the, Craglin? the guy that does things with his mind. Just Kirk from Sh- Gilmore Girls. Yeah, Craglin. Craglin. Like we weren't the movie was did not giving Craglin really an arc. It gave him two scenes where he kept saying stupid bad dog jokes. And so then when Yondu comes back at the end to like guide him and it's supposed to be emotional, I was like, well, we haven't been on an emotional arc for him, so it just didn't land for me. But I won't write it down if it landed for y'all. I don't again, I don't want to yuck other people's yum. It landed for me because I think they did like he was obviously just supposed to be a side character, and I think they did just enough for him to, like, like make you... Okay, so also, you haven't watched Guardians 2. That's true, that's true. So, like, you don't know their relationship from Guardians 2. Okay, Um fair. And so at the end of Guardians 2, Shruti, um, Yondu gives Kraglin that, like, red mohawk thing and that wand. He and- gives him a mohawk? No, it's not like a mohawk. I just looks like a mohawk. You know what I mean? Like he, like that was Yondu's. Yondu, okay. Yondu gives that to him. So that was Yondu's. And so now you see Kraglin struggling to master it, like Yondu did. This man he's looked up to, you know, all his life. And it, I, I think we got enough payoff. I think we got him struggling to do it in the beginning of the movie, and then him in a moment of crisis finally being able to master it and seeing Yondu there kind of tied up that thing from the second movie. I liked it. Okay, fine. Can I switch it then to the she's a good dog line? Because that did not work for me. The whole movie. I'll allow it. James Sean Gunn keeps saying she's a But like you knew the second the second time he says she's a bad dog, you're like, oh, this movie is going to end with him saying she's a good dog. I know. And hopefully they do something to make it feel different and new. And so I didn't just predict how this thing is going to end. But no, it's exactly that. Like, there's no switch on it to make it more fun or interesting. It's literally, like, you know, telegraphed. Sometimes I can see a mile away what they're trying to do. And I still enjoy it when the payoff happens. That's just me. It was just a cute little side thing. It wasn't that major. You Leah, know? did it work for you? Um, I, yeah, I think I would have preferred it to be not so 
uh, melodramatic, Telegraph. but I like that it happened. Okay. All right. I'll just put it on my own personal cringe ranking <laughs> and not the team's. Uh, if anyone else wants to go next, go ahead. <laughs> um, I did not like when Gamora fell on Peter boobs first. I never like when movies do that. Yep. And I really thought we were past that in Marvel. No, but they tried to make it better by having that little furry guy in between them. <laughs> but I did like how their relationship ended. That made me very me happy. I I'm was, so I was happy worried. they did not end up together. Yes, I was very yeah. worried about what Gamora was going to be like in this movie in general. And I'm very pleased with her whole... I was very arc. scared they were going to be like, oh, even though I don't remember you, I've known you for like two days now and I see how good you are. Let's get I, back into I, a relationship. Like, I was so worried they were going to do that. I could not deal with how Peter kept saying, "I you don't remember. Because, and I'm a little bit annoyed yeah. that she didn't correct like, him. No, because it's not no, he, it's not. She, she is a different person. She doesn't have a memory yeah. to forget. Can we, I have another cringe that's semi-related. Go ahead. We're currently and, tied 3-3 for cry cringe. Oh, I feel like we're going to have cringe actually win. So, okay. I actually have two cringes, but um, I'll do this one first and see if someone brings up the other one. Um, I did not, and I don't know if this was James Gunn actually doing this or if Marvel execs were like, hey, can you do this? But when they're in like the elevator in like the Orgo Corp and they're going down the elevator and they have that girl hostage and like... Gamora and Pete are fighting and then Pete is like you know she doesn't remember me because like she fell down a magic cliff and then like and then like Thanos snapped everything and then she came out from like another timeline and now she's being a dick and I and I'm like okay did Marvel make you have Peter do like a recap of everything from Endgame? Because that's what <laughs> this universe is now. It's it's literally us trying to remember obscure bits of information that have happened from movies that have been out now for like five years. You know what I mean? And honestly, so, though, that didn't bother me. I thought that was. Funny. I, I kind of I kind of wish that more of these movies would do that because because you forget. So. Well, I mean, think about how Doctor like Multiverse of Madness didn't care at all about WandaVision. Like, I, I wish they had done a yeah. recap. And my thing is, it's not that that bothers me. It's that it, in Multiverse of Madness, and this movie does it too, in Multiverse of Madness, they have that um, device in one of the multiverses that they go to where you go and it scans your body and tells you what you, your life in this multiverse has been like, basically an exposition machine. And I was like, okay, sure. In this multiverse, that device exists that tells you your backstory so the audience knows your backstory. In this universe, in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, when they're going through the high evolutionary's world or brain thing and they have those uh, TVs playing like, the high evolutionary is here to create the most perfect race and they want to do this. I'm like, why is this playing? Why do all of these worlds have like TVs explaining (laughs) how the world works randomly for the people that are there? That's not a thing. Like that exposition machine, I was really annoyed about. Like, can we stop just making TVs tell you how the world works when you enter the world? That nobody on Earth (laughs) has that. But um, So can I just put put exposition machine on cringe? Eh, Sure. I have one more cringe. Go ahead. The fucking Michelangelo pose when 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 Star Lord is freezing out in space. The death and sequence then Adam, in general. And then Adam Warlock comes and does the Michelangelo pose and taps his finger, and it's so stupid. <laughs> also, and Peter should have died. He should have died. He should have died. And 
that that sequence in general when his like eyes are literally bulging out and he's freezing to death like first of all i don't see marvel killing a character that way so we knew he wasn't gonna die but i'm like jack dawson died freezing to death (laughs) i when when his face like bulged up like it did i don't know about you guys but they really faked me out i was like, oh my god i was like he can't come back from this and then he died he comes back from it Um, they should have just taken that moment out because it didn't feel earned at all. You're just like, okay, he's alive. You know, I wonder if like Chris Pratt was like, I need a near death sequence. Um, Chris Pratt also got to utter the first fuck word uh, in the it. MCU. I, yeah, it was great. Perfect. It was, no notes. Really? Said, yeah, I loved they it. They said he improved it. Yeah. I read, okay, so for those of you who missed it, basically Nebula's trying to open the car door and Cole says, open the fucking door. I thought... After, what is it, 36 movies that you've been waiting for an F-bomb, and if you don't know, PG-13 movies, you're allowed one F-word, but you Marvel hasn't yet to have used one until this movie. For us to have waited this long and for it to go to Chris <laughs> Pratt saying, open the fucking door, I'm a little disappointed. I mean, I didn't even know until this movie that it was something that was being anticipated. So... I wouldn't call it something that's being anticipated. I think that that's a... Uh... But now everyone's, like, acting like it's a huge deal. And, like, whatever. What happened was they released that clip online, but it was bleeped out. And so then there was a little bit of, like, speculation of, it sounds like, it looks like he says fuck. Is he saying fuck at this movie? Maybe it's, is it bleeped out in the movie? And so I think that kind of heightened the the talk around it. My thing is, I, uh, in, in, in Avengers Infinity War, when in the post credit scene, when uh, Nick Fury is being snapped and he starts calling Captain Marvel and he goes, mother fuck, and then he gets snapped away. I think away, that's so way can't... more funny. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's funnier then, but like that was clever. That was a also, clever use to play on the usage of the F word. It's also and a gag saying, and Open the fucking door mm-hmm. is not like, I just wish if they were going to use their first F word, they did it in a way more clever way than that. Sure, but yeah, I, won't, I, I won't put that, that down as cringe. I think the cutoff fucks from different movies are more funny. And, like, I also love when uh, they do it twi- twice to end the first two Spider-Man movies. Like, one where it's um, Aunt May, like, she sees Peter in her suit and she drops the laundry and she goes, what the? And then it cuts to the credits. And then the second time is when... Peter finds out his identity got leaked and you hear him going, what the? And then a car honks over it because he's in New York. I thought that was actually, like, really funny. But I don't know. I guess, like, he improved. Apparently he improved, like, open the fucking door. And so I, I read they just, something they just contrary. Liked it. They kept it in. I, I don't know what's true, but I read that it wasn't scripted, but James Gunn told him to say it. Oh, okay. But I don't know which one is true. I don't Who knows? One thing I liked about it is that it was a, a glimpse into the Chris Pratt that I used to like. And so it yeah. ma- it felt like good <laughs> before he got weird. Mm. Um, um, okay, I, any I other it. cry or cringe moments? I think I have one, and some people might put it under cry, but I feel like the three of us will agree that it's cringe, which is Ooh. Groot saying "I love you guys." <laughs> so oh, yeah. the whole it was cringe. Here's my problem with it. I'm gonna write it down. Groot, I love you. Um, the whole movie, obviously, we can't understand Groot, but the fact that the characters in the movie kept explicitly responding by being like, he's saying this, he's saying that. Why couldn't they do it in a Star Wars 3CPO 
C-3PO, R2-D2-esque way when R2-D2 talks and C-3PO's response tells us what R2-D2 just said instead of saying word for word. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the constant translations was already getting annoying. And then at the end when Groot finally said, I love you guys in his Vin Diesel whatever voice, I was like, are you kidding me? And my sister laughed. My sister went, ha, what? And so that made (laughs) me laugh too. And I like the interpretation. Like, oh, we finally understand Groot. But the fact that we laughed at it obviously means it wasn't well done. There was no reaction in my theater. It was oh, nobody really? said it anything. Was nuts. Everyone was just kind of like, People okay. Were just like what? <laughs> I I think the reason it didn't land with me is because at least when Vin Diesel is saying I'm Groot, like in multiple variations, I kind of forget that it's Vin Diesel. But the minute that Vin Diesel yeah. was like, I love you, I was like, oh my god, that's that's Vin Diesel, yeah. you know? And that just like it took me out of the movie. Like I think it could have been very easy for him to just be like, I'm Groot, and then they were like we love you too, buddy, you know, or something. Like, yeah. I, and I, like, I mean, I know you guys both know this, but James Gunn did confirm, like, oh, no, it's, he, the reason you can hear him is it's supposed to be, like, now the audience is, yeah. like, finally able to, they're part of the Guardians now. Like, you as a viewer are now a Guardian. You can understand. <laughs> Which I, now. I and it was just, like, guessed on Thursday, oh. and I'm pretty proud of myself for putting that together. Congratulations. But, yeah, Kate, I, Kate, Leah explained that to me Thursday night before James Gunn. Oh, really? Gunn but I, I just truly, thought he just spoke English. Truly and genuinely, I thought of it in the moment. I was like, oh, maybe it's this. And I just happened to be right. Because they I, just have that thing of Gamora. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My dumbass in the moment was literally like, oh, did they accidentally leave that in? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Well, hey, here's my question. It, like, now that, like, the viewers, us the viewers, can understand Groot, and now that we've seen the second post-credit, no, the, sorry, the first post-credit scene with Rocket leading the new Guardians, and Groot is there, if we get a new new Guardians spinoff, are we gonna now have Groot speaking in English the whole time? That's now just no we, fun. now viewers can understand him. I guess, but yeah. I don't want that. That sounds boring. I don't want that either. And also, I, I mean, if Vin finishes Fast and Furious anytime soon, I guess I'll have more time to record more lines than just I am Groot. That's very how true. Dare, how dare you? He well, puts so much thought into every single one of those. <laughs> um, okay, we currently have three cry moments and six cringe moments. I know we cried a lot more at this movie, but that it's generally just because of the animal cruelty. So I don't yeah. want to, like, I'm sure we could think of three more cry moments, but I don't know if all of them deserve their own I'll, numbering. I'll, I'll, I'll add a, a nice one. Um, that photo of them in the, in the credits of all of them sitting down, genuinely touching. Okay. You know what I mean? You know I what I'm talking about? Too. At that the end. Um, Wait, I, I actually don't remember what photo you're talking about. Can you It was expand? in the credits. It was at the like end. A, it was a picture which you have to assume was probably like a behind the scenes photo of all of them sitting down against a wall in character. Okay. Um, I guess not behind the scenes because they like CGI'd <laughs> Rocket. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Sean Gunn. <laughs> um, but I thought it was I thought that was sweet. Um, if we're gonna do another touching moment, I probably think this landed with me better than it probably landed with maybe you, Shruti. But I genuinely did tear up a little bit at um rocket finding those baby raccoons in the ship oh and yeah saving them that made me tear up um and then i mean a bunch of cute little raccoons like climbing on rocket raccoon's face like how do you not cry at that <laughs> so cute and then he like protected them 
It was so cute. Um, but again, like I and I, I wrote that down. I, I'm giving it its own moment. But at the end of the day, if you're gonna like torture animals on screen, I'm not gonna give you extra points when you give us sweet moments with those characters or with those animals. You know what I mean? I want to talk about also. This is kind of like ties back to our turning red. So many people die during Pandapocalypse 2001 argument uh, of that. Like, yes, they're saving all of these people, but like so many people died on that ship. Right. They only have like one little entrance between nowhere and the ship that's carrying like all of this humanity. Plus everyone on that planet died. Like with all of those deaths, the decision to not then kill the high evolutionary was mind-boggling to me when he literally killed multiple civilizations of people and Rocket's like, but I'm a guardian of the galaxy, so I'm not going to kill this one guy. Like, come on. Are we serious here? I I didn't really agree with his decision. Also, I was kind of like, dude, you're leaving him, like, beat up on a burning ship that's going to explode anyway. So either way, by not killing him now, you are condemning him to death probably in the next, like, ten minutes anyway. Yeah. So I didn't really understand. I mean, I guess it was, like, I guess the parallel you can turn back to is he had to watch this guy, like, gun down his friends. And maybe he was like, I don't want to, like, be the one now that's gunning down someone. But then you have to think about the fact that Rocket... You literally gunned down multiple people, like, in a hallway fight scene. Wait, was yeah. he in the hallway fight scene? Yeah, so. he was. He was there. So it's like, I didn't get that, because I'm like, the amount of people that they killed in that, like, ship to go, like, get the chip and save Rocket and whatever. I'm like, you can't kill this one guy who was, like, the mastermind behind the entire thing, but you killed, like, countless nameless guards? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so overall, it seems like we're fairly balanced on Cry versus Cringe, but... And again, like, if you love this movie, if you sobbed the whole time and every single cringe moment landed for you, I'm not saying you're stupid. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I'm glad it worked for you. And I think my pessimism going into the movie colored a lot of these moments towards cringe for me. And I think maybe if I rewatched it with more of the optimism, with more of the light that everyone else is bringing to the movie, I think I'd like it more. So I don't I don't think I'll ever rewatch it, though. That's also true, though. <laughs> <laughs> and, okay, can we just say, it did not need to be two and a half hours. I was sitting in that theater, and I could feel myself cutting the movie. I was like, you can cut this out, you can cut that out, you can trim this sequence down. Like, why is it two and a half hours? Um, something important that we wanted to discuss on the podcast is box office numbers. Um, Shruti made me look up the numbers because she didn't want to. Um, I can't conceptualize <laughs> numbers, okay? She can't conceptualize numbers. Um, so I was doing some research and I just wanted to discuss numbers with you guys and then get your like opinions on how these movies are performing. So... We'll start with Guardians, obviously, because this is a Guardians episode. Guardians um, of the Galaxy Volume 3, the full title so of as the movie. <laughs> the day that we are recording this, um, it's been out for roughly a week. So all we have right now is the first week of box office data. And we're going to do all domestic numbers, by the way, for these. 
Um, so Guardians made in its first week 153 million um, domestically, and its first weekend it was 118 million of that number. So I think um, you said 153 and 118. Yes. Okay. So that's Guardians. Um, I wanted to compare it directly to the closest other Marvel movie that we have, which is Ant-Man Quantumania, which you guys know my thoughts about. That opened in February of this year, and it made $135 million in its first week. Its first weekend was $107 million. So, performed about $20 million less in its first week than Guardians did. Um, I don't know I if think- this... I don't... Like, again, I can't conceptualize numbers, but... To me, that doesn't seem that much. I know twenty million is a lot, but that doesn't seem that drastic to me. I don't know if it's it's, it's not. But then the thing that you have to consider with Ant Man Quantumania is that it had this word of mouth in a negative way. Mm-hmm. People were spreading that it was a bad movie, and if you look at the box office numbers for Ant Man Quantumania, yeah, I think I remember reading that Ant Man the Lost Quantumania had the lowest second weekend of all time of Marvel movies, yeah. or maybe post COVID, something like that. That makes sense. But obviously, we can't look at the Guardian second weekend because we're in the Guardian second weekend. By the time this comes out, you, dear listener, will know how the Guardian second weekend did. So uh, maybe you can tell us. <laughs> I think us. it'll be good. I am expecting it though to have a good second week because unlike Ant Man Quantumania, where it was mostly negative stuff online, people saying they didn't like it. If you go on Twitter, like we discussed already, everyone is singing this movie's praises. Everyone loves this movie. Yeah. So I think it's going to perform well. Am in Quantumania, just to give you guys, like, just so we can have truth, kind of conceptualize the numbers. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate um, that. Its first week, it made $135 million. Its second week, it made $39 million. Oh, my God. Okay, that's its bad. Third, <laughs> its third week, it dropped down to $16 million. Damn. So it was underperforming in its and it second, was it third, came out in February, week. right? So it wasn't up against that much either, which is a little even no, more. Concerning. I don't remember there like being anything out. When cocaine I bear, film. no cocaine, cocaine bear, bear slander. <laughs> I feel like it was advertised way more than Guardians was. I agree. Like I have not seen a lot of press. To- I mean, well, granted, there's no late night shows right now, but I have not seen lots of like press tour stuff about guardians i didn't see a lot of trailers like i saw the freaking shazam 2 trailer in front of every movie oh. for months um, it's shazam like fury of saw. the gods oh so sorry so sorry <laughs> and and here's the thing though i don't know if like maybe i wasn't looking for it and that's why i feel like i didn't see a lot of guardians press because i will tell you i feel like the movie i've seen the most press for or the most advertising for out of, like, any movie in the last couple of years is Dungeons & Dragons, our dear friend Josh's <laughs> but, okay, movie. okay, you have to consider targeted advertising, Kate, and it's probably targeting you. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't mean, like, online, like, pop-ups. I mean, like, in New York City, on the ground in New York, buses, yeah. billboards, like, just, like, subway advertising. That's true. Now Everywhere that I'm thinking about I in went. L.A., I've seen more billboards for Dad Hat than I have GGB3. <laughs> GGG3. GGB3. Um, so Guardians performed a lot better. Can we get... It, it um, is performing a lot better than Ant-Man. Can you get Wakanda Forever's first week and opening weekend? So opening week, it made $220 million 
that weekend accounted for 181 million. Oh wow! Okay. okay. And so. then, um, sorry to keep. I'm I'm sure this is not that interesting for our listeners, but we're gonna do two more numbers, and then I promise we'll stop talking numbers. Kate, can we get uh, Spider Man No Way Home? I didn't write down their opening weekend, so I'm trying. I'm like going back to Box Office Mojo to get those. It's just interesting to me, not that I'm stalling while Kate looks up numbers, but like, so I, Leah, do you agree with me about this whole, there's one biggest movie of the year and it was, this this year's is Guardians, last year's was Wakanda Forever, and the year before that was Spider-Man No Way Home? Well, yes, but I, I do think Doctor Strange had um, a, if you don't see this movie opening weekend, you're going to get spoiled factor, which does seem yeah. to figure into... Um, opening weekend box end box end box office numbers a lot (laughs) yeah Um, there was a weird energy going into multiverse of madness about like oh this is such an important tm movie when it like i was like is it though okay um spider-man no way home made 385 million in its first week holy shit the first weekend was 260 million oh my god and then it never really like it didn't slow down a ton. Like, like the second week, Spider Man made 171 million, which is more than Guardians made in its first week. And and as a reminder, that came out in December of 2021, right? Which or was, 2020. Which was yeah, 2021. Yes, it was 2021. And and when you were just in the bathroom, me and Leah were discussing. <laughs> I wasn't in the bathroom. Um, I was getting tea. When when you were getting tea, me and Leah were discussing that. December, December 2021 was when there was an Omicron spike. And I don't know if you remember this, Ruthie, but I remember me and Leah remember this from being in New York City. No, I got COVID. You got COVID. So did my roommate. And I was getting tested every single morning in these like three hour long testing lines in my neighborhood because I wanted to go home for Christmas and I was trying to make sure I didn't have it. So it how that many people still went to the theater to see it while there was essentially like a huge spike of COVID. I think the biggest one that we had in New York City. Yeah. No, I mean, I I was in New Jersey then and it was the kind of time I remember where like everyone I knew either had COVID or had been exposed to COVID. Like I was just home. Um, I wanted to go to New York to hang out with friends, but all of my friends either had COVID or had been exposed to COVID. So I was like, I'll just stay home. Like half of my friend group had it. Yeah. So the fact that Spider-Man, it, like, is, like, was overperforming against these movies that now there's, like, I would argue the pandemic is basically, like, not really, it's, it's kind of over. I don't want to say it's over because COVID is still a thing, but, like, the World Health Organization has declared it, like, a, like it's not an emergency anymore. Um, I got a notification, like, literally yesterday on my iPhone being, like, we're going to stop tracking COVID exposures. Yeah, me too. So... I would argue that it's really, for the most part, gone. But yet, you still have this monster movie that made so much more money than these but, movies okay, we now do that are also, coming out. We need to talk about how Spider-Man is just objectively the biggest IP of all of the other That's movies yeah, we're talking true. about. And that movie had three Spider-Men. And, so. and there was the spoiler factor. You had to be there opening weekend to find out whether or not those other two were going to be in it. Because otherwise you were pisses me off because everyone knew they were going to be in it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But I digress. (laughs) But Um, that was the thing with Multiverse of Madness, too. You needed to know if Professor X was going to be it. You needed to know who was going to be Reed Richards. Like, yeah. And then they were there for five minutes. So do you think we 
Do you think we'll continue to see that kind of you need to see this movie opening weekend marketing or are we just kind of at this stagnant slash declining numbers rate where like they can't use that on us anymore to make us go? Uh, Here's the thing. The three of us, we're still going to see these movie opening weekend. So we're just talking about the general public, I think, because at the end (sighs) of the day, they've got us by the neck and we're going to keep watching them. I hope not, because I would prefer to be told a good story. And if, you know, if the movie is only interesting the first time you see it because you don't know who's going to be in it, that's taking away from the story. And I do think Guardians had a better story than some others. Well, then, you know, Multiverse of Madness. Um, But you know who has the best story? Bran. Bran Stark. (laughs) (laughs) I... I want to give you one more number. Okay. Ooh. Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Ooh. Okay. GGV2. 2017. Made 183 hmm. million in its first weekend. Oh, And then shit. in its first week, it made... Oh, wait a second. I'm so sorry. I messed that up. It made 146 in its first weekend. And then in its week, it made 183. So... Um, did better than Guardians 3, which I guess I'm a little surprised by because I do think, though, that Guardians 3 was being advertised as, like, this closing chapter for James Gunn working with Marvel, this closing chapter for the Guardians, and I kind of figured, wow, like, a lot of people who are Marvel fans are going to want to come out to see this kind of, like, last hurrah of this group of characters, um, but it's underperforming compared to Volume 2, and again, I, I question, like, is that Marvel fatigue or is it a, t- a sign of the times whereas we had a giant pandemic and now a lot of more people are more content to wait till it's on a streaming platform, which obviously gets fed right in Disney+. Plus. So are more people just kind of being like, I'll see it when I see it. Yeah. I, I think I so. I honestly wonder if we're going to get uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 pushed back on Disney Plus because that has now become the new norm. Like even my oldest sister who is used to be one of us used to go see movies opening weekend. She's like, maybe I just wait. Now this was after um, I had texted her that it was bad. So it's kind of my fault. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And she was real, like genuinely. So for context, I went home last weekend for opening weekend, not for opening weekend. It was my grandma's 90th birthday, but um Because of that, my sister didn't have time to see it. So the whole weekend I had seen it, she hadn't. And she kept being like, oh, my God, why are they doing this? So she was really bummed because I had told her it was bad. Now, I feel bad because it seems like the general public does not agree with my sentiment. And maybe if I hadn't been doing that, she would be more inclined to go see it in theaters. But she was fully being like, I guess at this point, I'll just wait for it to come to Disney+. And I was like, no. Honestly, I was like, go see it just because it's part of the conversation. Like, we're talking about it. You can listen to all these other podcasts that I love listening to. Like, at this point, I'm watching these movies because I want to hear my favorite podcasters discuss them, not oh because gosh. I want to watch the movies. <laughs> well, here's something, too. I feel like I'm at a point okay there was a point where younger kate like let's call her college kate would go to all these marvel movies and this was like when i didn't have any kind of um rewards program Mm -hmm. with like i think i think for a very short while i only benefited from movie pass for like two or three months so there was a time where i was seeing all these movies like paying money to see these movies 
I don't think I'd be seeing all these Marvel films if I didn't have AMC A-lister right now. Truthfully, I don't think I'd be like, yeah, I want to drop 20 bucks every time to go watch these. But since I'd pay for A-lister, I go to it's like just A-list. <laughs> I don't I'm an A-lister. True, 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 true. <laughs> Sorry. I'm such I'm so annoying when it comes to the names of things. I really <laughs> apologize. I I want to ask about the Chapek of it all. Um you know, Bob Chapek took over for Bob Iger a couple years ago, and that realmed in this whole more quantity, like not lower quality, but just if you're making, if you're turning the dial up on quantity, quality is just going to naturally fall. Now Iger is back and he's saying we're going to focus more on quality again, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, we're not going to see the effects of that for a couple of years now, but it does look like they're trimming down. We only have two Disney Plus series this year. We only have three movies, although I think... We've typically had three movies a year. But in general, we're going definitely down in quantity. Do you guys think the Iger of it all is going to cause a change or is that too too far out to actually make any difference from, you know, the recent Marvel box office issues? You want Golia? I, I don't know. I mean, I think what they what they want and need is an Avengers movie. But the question mm-hmm. is, like, yep. who are the Avengers now? Who are they? Like, and... I think they could have had an Avengers movie, like... Easily. Already. They could have done it already because I think what was exciting about the first few movies after Endgame was, like, oh, my gosh, we're basically getting, like, these younger Avengers. Mm -hmm. And now it just keeps going and going and going. And now you're, like, if they want to do a new Avengers team, there's, like, fucking, like, 50 candidates they can choose from. Like, who's it going to be? I remember, like, early discourse used to be, oh, it's going to be Spider-Man and he's going to be leading, like... Shuri and oh like who else like Captain Marvel maybe Yelena yeah like I remember like there was actually an idea of like there was an idea okay this could work and now I just don't know what it is anymore I just feel like every installment of Marvel is a way to introduce new people that are now going to get their other TV show or their other movie and like and we and we discussed this in text earlier, but like so many movies, there's these little drops that feel like this is a contract announcement, mm-hmm. <laughs> or just like so there was and- a joke on, I believe, the Midnight Boys on the Ringerverse saying like, "Oh, this post credit scene was a contract announcement." It now, was. Now we can let's discuss this further because there's now uh, an inter- interpretation, right, of the at the end of the movie, at the end of the post credit scenes, at the, after the stinger, you get a line that says, "The legendary Star Lord will return." Where like after Infinity War, we saw Thanos will return, and after uh, Spider Man, we saw Spider Man will return. So that's that specific character or variant will return. And the interpretation of the legendary Star Lord is like it could be another Star Lord, just like how Jane is Mighty Thor, and there's different variants that we might not right. see Chris Pratt's Star Lord again. I would love that. I don't need to see Chris Pratt in another Marvel movie ever again. Do y'all think that's? I don't know if Chris Pratt even like he's making his bank doing all of his Amazon to. action movies. Like, are we gonna see Chris Pratt yeah, come back I here? Don't know. Do we care? <laughs> I feel like that was them saying he's gonna come back, and I just don't care for him. That's why I wanted him to be killed off. I think there were some theaters where there were active groans when that legendary yes, Star Lord will return. My theater groaned. Yeah. They did. Some I heard someone literally go like, "Oh, jeez." My like, we my friend like, goes, Why? "Well, that saved me a Google." <laughs> because here's the thing: I actually thought, like, I yes, I kind of wanted them to kill him off, and I was kind of mad that they didn't. But then that scene of him just sitting with his grandpa eating cereal, and his grandpa being like, 
oh, you won't believe the fucking neighbors. Like, I was like, that's kind of funny. Just let Peter just just live with his grandpa now and just be a guy on earth. Don't make him go back let up in his face and do wild shit. He's let him 45. be a person. Let him be a kid. <laughs> yeah, how, yeah, I'm not 50. I like that line. For I me, think actually. there is space, though. Like, I think it's vague enough that if they wanted to, they could just keep Chris Pratt's Peter Quill on Earth, chilling with his grandpa, and we don't see him again. I don't think anyone would bat an eye, and they can introduce Star-Lord next year, two years from now as a variant, and I don't think anyone would actually Adam Warlock like, is the legendary Star-Lord. Oh, wait, yes. I, I thought we had to wrap up, but we do need to talk about Adam Warlock. I love um, him. I love that Leah, gold can you dummy. Give us a comics education on who this nope. dude is and... <laughs> No. Okay. <laughs> okay. Not hey, really. I, I mean, I remember. I, that, I remember that um, Elizabeth Debicki. Who? Oh wait. Oh wait. Funniest joke in the whole movie to me was when they brought out a little box for the High Evolutionary to stand on, so that he could talk to Elizabeth Debicki <laughs> and be taller than her. I oh, actually really liked that. That was so good. Um, but you know what's funny though too? Don't they do that for Rocket in the first movie? Rocket has to get on a box to talk to people. Oh yeah, probably. It's like a weird parallel. Weird parallels. Um, I, I'm gonna say that Adam Warlock didn't really work for me. I, I, I get it. Like, oh, he's super powerful, but he's dumb. <laughs> it's like it's fine. Yeah, I don't but know. I love, I love himbos. I yeah. love himbos. But do you love like, like fully golden himbos? <laughs> I don't mind that he's gold. I also really like Will Poulter, so I don't really like. I don't know. I I really didn't mind him. I, I think, like, they just kind of needed him to get introduced, obviously, so they put him in this film as, like, a villain, but not even really a villain, you know? I actually yeah. thought he was going to get so much more screen time than he did, and he did not, and I was kind of confused by that. Like, a lot of times he was just incapacitated this whole movie. <laughs> I think because he had um, to be because he's so powerful. And yeah. I, maybe I'm just mad because at the end of the day he saves Peter Quill's life and that sequence just shouldn't have existed. So maybe that's why I, the whole thing left a sour taste in my mouth. The gold I, people I, 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 are I also think... my favorite part of Guardians 2. Sorry. Oh, they're okay. in Guardians 2? Oh, wow. yes. And okay. they're, I have a problem. <laughs> he's in Guardians 2, Shruti. Oh, yeah, you didn't Well, he's, yeah, he's, he's really like, sorry. He's barely in it, but so Elizabeth Debicki is. Okay. He's in like a sarcophagus. And yeah, yeah, yeah. The the whole thing is that he got released too early from it. Is that why they say he's dumb? Yeah, it is. <laughs> he's under. Like, You're a himbo because we released you too early. <laughs> I um, really don't mind him, and I'm actually excited to see him in future things. I I actually really, um, think he's he's kind of charming. He did what he could with the role that he was given and what little screen time he had. I truly believe that. Yeah, I apologize to everyone listening to this podcast being like, <laughs> Shruti hasn't seen volume two. All of her opinions are stupid now, which I like. No, they're, I, not. no they're not stupid, but I feel like if I was listening to a podcast where somebody was saying things I disagreed with and then realized they skipped a whole movie, I would be bad. So if you're mad at me right now, I fully understand why, and I'm sorry. But I probably also will never go back and watch Guardians of the Galaxy volume two. Um, There's one thing, one last thing I do want to talk about, and it has to do with the post-credit scene of like the new guardians um and that's the little girl who mm. was running like on the we first see her i think running on the wheel one of the high evolutionaries creatures yeah like okay, one of the yeah. little kids and and then she's just like suddenly now joining <laughs> the guardians i was 
like a two-year-old. No, she's she's older than two. She's probably like seven. Yeah, but still, I don't it's weird. <laughs> I agree. But she gets credited in the movie as Pyla, and apparently Pyla is actually a character in the comics um, who's actually like, I don't know much about her, but she's very strong, apparently, and I guess she's going to also play a bigger role in the MC moving forward, obviously. But yeah, she is like straight from the comics. Again, I don't know a ton about the comics, but I yeah, I tried to look her up too, and I don't know. I'm annoyed by how many kids there are now. Everyone has a daughter yeah. now. Well, that's why I'm like, okay, so is this like, so when is the Young Avengers movie coming? That's why I'm like irritated because I'm like, yeah, they just do so that should many be the team up they do and teens. Yeah, like, but now it's, like, almost, like, now it feels like the team is too big, because, like, oh my gosh, you've the got, The team like, is too big, and also now. by the time you make one movie, all of these kids are gonna be adults, so... Well, I mean, that's fine. <laughs> you that's can't fine spend that me. much time with them being kids they, together. Cause, because the Young Avengers comics are about characters that are in, like, their 20s. They're not, like, little. They're not, okay. like, kid Avengers, yeah. but I'm still. just, like, now there's just so many. There's, like... Kamala, there's like Riri, there's obviously like Peter would probably be like a leader of some kind of Young Avengers team. There's Wanda's two children who have like powers apparently. Oh my god, no, you don't have to, you can keep them up. I don't need to see them. <laughs> um, there's, so I missed yeah. one cringe moment. I'm just realizing okay. now. Sure. <laughs> the line, did that look cool, is in and mm. of itself not a good line. Not a then good when you bring it back as a callback reference and it's still not clever, I was like, come on. You can't write a better line of dialogue than did that look cool? An eight-year-old could write that. I'm sorry. And again, that's why I don't really think James Gunn's dialogue really just sticks with me. I just never thought it was that deep or imaginative. I don't know. Like, And it's not that funny. Mm-hmm. I'm just being negative now. Yeah, should we wrap things up? Any other final thoughts? Any positivity to shine? <laughs> Everyone maybe do like a, like a... Let's... Well, okay, I'm trying to think of one like a, a little thing. wrap up. Yeah. A positive... I mean, listen, it, and the, my positive thing is it was still a... It was a decent movie. It, yeah. It had the beats of a movie. It had cool sequences. It had neat new planets to explore. And um, I cried. So there you go. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that people liked it. I'm glad that people did like it because I get really bogged down by like the endless fatigue and negativity. And it seems that a lot of those people liked this movie. Yeah. So freeze, I'm, freeze I'm my mind that there up is a little positivity bit. in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Do we think <laughs> the Marvels is going to be good? Yeah, I, I really. Hope I hope so. Okay. I I like those. I I actually really like Captain Marvel, and I don't know why she gets so much shit. And I like Brie Larson, and I just I just want like I want everything to be well for her. And I've already heard her like she's apparently already said comments about she doesn't know much longer she's gonna do Marvel for because it's just like the negative the negativity is like a lot for her to deal with, and that's just so sad to me. I don't know. I really want to be good. I'm, I I love Brie Larson. I, think, I love Tiana Paris. I love Iman Vellani. I, no. I don't, even if the movie itself is poorly structured or has flaws, I cannot imagine myself having a bad time watching those three actresses. But here's the thing. I think people are going to go into it already deciding to hate it. 
I mean, yeah, we have both sexism and racism working against us. I'm not optimistic, but I'm optimistic on my feelings and my love of those characters hanging out. And and Marvel fatigue, if they want to claim like, well, I'm not either of those things. I'm just sick of Marvel movies at this very convenient time when it's about women and women of color. (laughs) It's like all women cast, yeah. We have June, July, August, September, October. Five months of no movies. So maybe that will take away the fatigue factor. Yeah. But like... That's good. Yeah. Okay. Isn't Phil Coulson going to be in that? Kate's favorite. Is he? I fuck... Actually, did you know that, Leah? Leah, literally, Phil Coulson is like, oh, my favorite character in the MCU. I love Phil Coulson. (laughs) You want to know why? I'll tell you why. Because Because he plays the cello. No, listen, because before I ever really watched any Marvel movies, I watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Great, perfect. I watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. before I watched Avengers. Great. Deadass. I loved Agents <laughs> of S.H.I.E.L.D. So. On that note, on Fun the show. love for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., let's wrap things up on this podcast. People think, <laughs> Leah, people think Chloe Bennett's going to be in the Marvels or Secret Invasion. That? That'd be incredible. Chloe Bennett, she's a big, she's a big character um, in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh-huh. and I really like her. But also, Bennett dated Logan Paul, so I don't know how much I actually like her. Yeah, we anyway. don't know if we can trust her. Uh, Leah, where can people find you on the <laughs> internet? <laughs> uh, Leah Marilla at Twitter and Letterboxd, and you can read my writing at Cosmo, The Mary Sue, Fulcher. Um, I think I have a Teen Vogue piece dropping soon. That's exciting. Ooh. I have to write it first. Oh. <laughs> um, you know, I'm just I'm just out here. I'd love to see it. Awesome. Busy, booked and busy. That's me. Um, you can find me. I am booked and busy. Can... <laughs> it's nice. You can find me on Twitter. <laughs> it took a oh, while. No, it's going well now. You can find me on Twitter at Kate underscore Wyatt. I also have a letterbox, but Michael said if I share it, Michael who's not even here. <laughs> but he said if I share it, he will buy me a puppy. And then he will proceed to immediately experiment on the puppy. Oh my god! <laughs> and take it away and move it to Counter Earth, and I'll never see it again. And then, oh wait, and wow, then that was a dark one. Blow up Counter Earth. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Just to show you how dark this movie was. Truly, an entire planet exploded. Meanwhile, nobody has paid attention to the celestial <laughs> on Earth. Uh, on that note, you can find me on Twitter at Mike. <laughs> I don't think people would Yeah, care. no, I, I agree with that argument that, like, there's too much other shit going on. <laughs> I just wish Eternals was in another multiverse and they blew up the Earth in that universe and it would have worked a lot better for me. On that note, my <laughs> name is Shruti. You can find me on Twitter at Micromorante and you can find me on Letterboxd at Shruti Morante. And then you can follow our podcast. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd on all three. We're at Chaos on the Set.